0: Um, again, we, <coughs> we oftentimes get the idea that revival is uh, planning some special meetings or having a particular evangelist in or a singing group in or all of the above and uh, not understanding sometimes that revival really is something that takes place in our hearts. I've been reading and studying a lot on it for the last couple, about probably five or six weeks now and uh, have enjoyed doing a lot of reading on the subject of revival. And uh, one of the things that I think is is very fascinating to me, and is the thought that we're going to look at in Ezra tonight, in chapter number 7, is that God usually uses just one or two to begin the revival. Uh, Some of you may be familiar with the Great Welsh Revival, one of the great, great revivals uh, overseas. And a young fellow by the name of Evan Roberts was the preacher that... Uh, his church was the church that that revival started. It lasted a number of years, and God uh, swept literally all over the nation, all over the country, out of that small little country church. But one of the, the unique things about that was that Evan Roberts, for uh, I think it was 14 years, had uh, he was just a young preacher at the time the revival came. I think about 28, 29 years old at the time. But from the time he was 14 years old, I think is the age that it said. Uh, he would get up at 4 o'clock in the morning or 4.30 in the morning and begin to pray for revival. And he did that every single day for over 14 years or 15 years, however long that was, until finally God sent revival. And it began with one person having a desire for God to, to bring revival to that place. Um, there's other great revivals, some of the great awakenings. Uh, I, I remember reading of the Welsh Revival, And uh, the day that that started, Brother Evans had just gotten up and given a message like he had done any other week, and he asked if anyone had a testimony. And a young teenage girl stood up in the back of the auditorium and said, I love Jesus with all of my heart. And she sat down. And another lady, an elderly lady, stood up and said, I want to just tell folks I love Jesus with all of my heart. And it was marked by people putting their eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, I like, uh, Brother Paulie has, has had a series of little videos he's done on revival. And he's got a, a fantastic book. I'm going to try to get some copies and give to our people on revival Pray One of the best written books, I believe, on revival that I've read in recent years. And just been a blessing to my heart. It's been such a joy to to read some of these thoughts that he's put down. And really, they're not his. They're um, almost a compilation of other people's thoughts and ideas of revival uh, when he comes to Scripture and sees what biblical revival is about. And uh, it's such a joy to read some of these things. And uh, his contention is that uh, we're to live in a state of a revived heart. This is God's desire. God's will is for us to have revival. And the only hindrance that there is to revival is us. It's not God. God's desire is to have revival. Uh, We get to Ezra chapter number 7. And uh, we're going to uh, read, starting in verse number 1, read down several verses. Now, after these things, in the reign of Artaxerxes, king of Persia, Ezra, the son of Syria, uh, the son of Azariah, the son of Hilkiah, the son of Shalom, the son of Zadok, the son of Ahitub, the son of Amariah, the son of Azariah, and the son of Marioth, the son of Zerahiah, the son of Uzi, the son of Buki, and the son of Abishua, and the son of Phinehas, and the son of Eliezer, and the son of Aaron, the chief priest. I don't know why in the world they couldn't pick really easy names to say in the Old Testament. But he's giving a lineage here, and he's showing the priestly lineage. Ezra was a priest, and he came from a godly line. And it's interesting as he gets to verse 6. This Ezra, speaking of this one that came from this godly line and the heritage that he had, went up from Babylon, and he was a ready scribe. I love that phrase. He was a ready scribe. And the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given... And the king granted him all his requests according to the hand of the Lord, his God, upon him. Boy, we see that phrase as we're studying Nehemiah too, don't we? That God's hand is upon him. And there went up some of the children of Israel and of the priests and of the Levites and the singers and the porters and the uh, Nethanims unto Jerusalem in the seventh year of Artaxerxes the king. And he came to Jerusalem in the fifth month, which was in the seventh year of the king, For upon the first day of the first month began he to go up from Babylon on the first day of the fifth month came he to Jerusalem according to the good hand of his God upon him. I want you to notice verse number 10. For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Brother Paul is going to make a statement. I don't know if it will be in this video tonight or in the one we'll see next Wednesday night. But he makes a statement. He said one of the hardest things when it comes to revival is getting us prepared for it. The idea that Ezra took time to prepare his heart. and, And these are some thoughts that just came to me. Before God shows up at the church... He has to show up at home. Before he shows up at home, he's got to show up in me as the father or you as the mother or you as the child. He's got to show up in us individually. Ezra, the Bible says here, prepared his heart for these things. I think sometimes we think, boy, God, send revival and send it to Keith the Heights Baptist Church. No, no, send it to me. Send it to me. Stir my heart. And then we think, well, if God will send revival, it'll happen to the church, and 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 we forget the fact. And and I'm thankful that it affects the church, but it begins it begins at home. And it doesn't begin with the preaching. If we say, boy, if we just had the the good preaching, and and just if we could if we could model after what this church did, that they got revival, and boy, they just have God's presence there. If we could just model what they do then we'll have God's presence. No, that's not the way it works. That's not the way it works. We put our eyes on the wrong thing. We put our eyes on revival as something that happens rather than on Jesus who is the one that gives the revival. I started reading through Scripture, and I, I, may, I may actually preach on this topic Sunday, how often in Scripture, people in Scripture, would write things like, Revi- uh, Revive my heart, O Lord. And their, their response was not, Revive my heart, O great evangelist, or O great preacher, or O great Sunday school teacher. It was always, Revive my heart, O Lord. Lord, wilt thou not again send revival, or wilt thou not revive us again? And all of it is crying out to God and putting their eyes on the right person. And when I think of these great revivals, uh, I, th- I told you tonight a little bit of the Welsh revival. Uh, the great awakening that was spoken of here and, and the spiritual awakening took place in the United States of America and in England and swept two different continents for the Lord. Uh, it, it, was, it, was, it was marked by men and women who learned to put their eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ, who bowed in contrition. There was a brokenness to them. And they began to say, it's not about an event that we're wanting it's about a person that we want to draw close to. And uh, so I want, I want to keep these thoughts in mind. As we go to the Lord in prayer and pray for God to send revival, uh, it's not about patterning our church after some great meeting we were in. I've been in some wonderful ones. I'll tell you, over the years, there have been some that I just, you didn't want to leave. It just, you felt God's presence there. And it'd be real easy for me to sit there and take pen and paper and say, okay, what did this pastor do to get that? And look at all the things he did. Well, he had this speaker in. He had this singing group in. This was his order of service. Can I tell you this? It's not about any of that. Those people had the presence of God in those ministries because they put their eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we put our eyes upon Him, it's amazing how dim all the things in this world become to us. The strife of this world. the, The burden of this world. I'm thankful we sang that song. It'll be worth it all when we see Jesus... Life's trials will seem so small, the songwriter wrote, when we see Christ. One glimpse of his dear face, all sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. We're, in a, we're, in a, we're just passing through. We're pilgrims here. And there's burdens in this life. There are things that are going to bog us down and try to steal our joy and try to steal God's presence and try to steal his power out of our lives. And it's going to try to do it on a daily basis. And all I can challenge us to do as a church is say, folks, let's keep our eyes on Jesus. Keep our eyes on Him. And let Him stir our hearts. Let Him send revival. Let Him work in my heart. And and let me just encourage you in this, because I'll tell you what my flesh nature does. And this is your pastor being as transparent as I can be tonight. My flesh nature, and especially maybe even more so as a pastor is uh, sometimes I'll be praying and I'll see. I'll say, Lord, please help our people see this. That's the wrong thing. I need to say, Lord, please help me see this. Because oftentimes when we get praying for revival, we think we're there. And everybody else needs to do this. There needs to be a brokenness in us. Individually. Saying, Lord, send your power. Send your Holy Spirit. Do a work in my heart. It's not my responsibility what God does in Brother Keith's heart or Brother uh, Kenny's heart or uh, Jonathan's heart. The only person I have to stand before God and give an account for one day is me. And by the way, that's the only person, you, not me, but you have to give an account to God for you. And so let's, let's, let's keep this as a challenge. Can we as we pray for revival? Yes, I want it to happen in our church. But before we can ever even see it happen in our church, I like what Ezra does here at the very onset. Now he's going to pray in chapter number 9. If you've got time to read it, we're going to get there one of these days as we go through Nehemiah and we see the revival he sends. In chapter 9, Ezra begins to pray for the nation. And the people begin to draw near to him. But before all of that happened, it says that Ezra prepared his heart. He prepared his heart and then revival came. So Jonathan, are we ready back there, bud? All right, we're gonna have this short video on revival and then we'll divide off into our prayer groups.
1: Brother Scott, you mentioned about revival being something mystical. And oftentimes, I think revival also seems like something mythological yes. or just something like a like a fairy tale, just yes. something that you hear about. So my next question is this, is revival a myth or has it actually happened? You know, that's a great question. I think part of the reason people think of it almost as a myth is because they, most people have only heard about it. They've never seen it. That's sad, isn't it? I mean, the, it, people would even think of revival as some foreign, far-off thing because it's only something they, they read about in a history book. Um, to answer your question, yes, it's real uh, because it's taught in Scripture. Uh, I would challenge people to, to search the Scriptures, Old and New Testament alike, and study the word revive um, because there's, there are spiritual principles scattered throughout Scripture. But I do think sometimes we have, uh, how shall I say this, we have imposed our own idea of what revival is on revival. And maybe that's why we're missing it. Uh, Read the book of Acts. What do you have in the book of Acts? You have a church operating in the power of the resurrected Christ. That's revival. I mean, Christ revived, that's what Paul said, that's his word, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he revived from the grave. When that resurrection power is working in us, we are living in a state of revival. And so, yes, biblically, it is real. Historically, it is real. Um, Study great revival movements. That's something I've loved doing. I'm reading a book right now on the Welsh Revival. Now, I've studied and read lots of things about the Welsh Revival, but this is a more recent book. And it's helping me, because we learn from history. One of the dangers, though, about reading revival history is that you can start trying to reproduce it. So you try, start trying to create the same uh, circumstances, and that's not revival. Those are secondary things. Revival is God at work and us responding to the work of the Holy Spirit. and. Um, So, you know, you can read about these historical revivals, but what that ought to do is just make us hungry to seek the Lord. In fact, this is interesting. Nowhere in Scripture are we ever told to seek revival. We're told to seek God. There's a difference. Could it be that we've not seen a real revival in our generation because people are seeking something instead of someone? You know, we want an emotion. We want an experience. People want some euphoria. That's not revival. That's self-centered. That's self-serving. A revival is, I want the Lord. I want to know God. I want the Lord to be glorified. I want Jesus to be lifted up in my life. I want the Holy Spirit to have liberty to do whatever he wants to do. And so, yes, it's, it's real biblically. Yes, it's real historically. Now, what we've got to come to is... It has to be real to us personally. i tell you an interesting story. Uh, one of my favorite revivals to read about is the revival on the Isle of Lewis in the New Hebrides. Uh, it's a famous revival. You can read a great deal about it. The minister that was used of the Lord there really showed up after the revival started, which I think is so fascinating. I really, I honestly, even as a preacher, I think I want to witness it. I want to be a part of it. But there's something in ministry that's really exciting when you realize you are um, really more of a spectator than a participant. You're watching God work, and you're conscious of the fact, that's not me. Th- that wasn't my sermon. So I think the Lord delights in doing things, sometimes uh, in ways that men will not get the credit for it. So two women started praying, uh, two women in their 80s, and one of them was stone blind. They were shut-ins. They started praying, seeking the Lord. Then that stirred a pastor and a group of deacons to begin to seek the Lord. So they sent for Duncan Campbell. By the time Duncan Campbell got to the Isle of Lewis, the revival was already underway. I mean, the night he showed up, he showed up late at night. Two the deacons met him and they said, Preacher, would you come by the church? There were 500 people sitting in the church building praying when he got there. I mean, that's revival. And Campbell didn't bring that. You know, evangelists don't bring revival and they open the briefcase and it jumps out. You know, that's crazy. The Lord sends revival. I like what Campbell Morgan said. Excuse the detour. Campbell Morgan said, you can't organize revival, but you can lift your sails to catch the wind of the spirit when it blows from heaven. It's the idea of preparation. And maybe we can come back to that thought of, of preparing for revival. But Duncan Campbell agreed to come for two weeks. He said, I'll give you two weeks. He was a busy preacher. He stayed for two years. Think of that. you talk talking about a revival that literally rocked a community. I mean, they said by the time it was done, churches were packed, bars had closed, jails were empty. Uh, I mean, a spiritual awakening came to the Isle of Lewis and to the New Hebrides. Okay, so he comes back uh, to, to his homeland, and he meets with a minister a minister who was greatly used of God named Stephen Olford. Stephen Olford pastored uh, Calvary Baptist Church in New York City, in Manhattan. Had a long, fruitful ministry there. And by the way, wrote a fantastic book on revival. Stephen Olford met with Duncan Campbell because he wanted to know firsthand, give me the eyewitness account. How did this happen? So he peppers him with questions and uh, uh, Campbell answers all of his questions. And finally, he just keeps asking, keeps asking, keeps asking. And finally, Campbell sits up in his seat, looks across the table, and says to him, Young man, do not let the New Hebrides revival rob you of your own. That's powerful. What he meant by that was, don't get so bogged down in the details of what happened there that you miss what God wants to do here. Don't think of it so much of some formula or equation or thing to reproduce as, no, no, let's acknowledge God's presence among us now. Now, and see what the Lord wants to do. And so, yes, it's real, but I would say it has to become real to you. My pastor used to say nothing is real until it's personal.